It will be a true crime takeover in San Jose, California on Thursday, February 22nd. Hi, this is Esther, host of Once Upon a Crime. I will be co-hosting a podcast listener meetup with two legends in true crime podcasting, Justin and Aaron from The Generation Y. Come on out to the V-Bar at Hotel Valencia on Santana Row to have a drink, take some selfies, and talk true crime with us and other true crime podcast fans. No tickets are required. Just show up and bring your best partners in true crime to enjoy a fun night out with us beginning at 6 p.m. Go to our events page at truecrimepodcast.com for more information, and we'll see you there. This podcast details true crime cases. It contains adult themes and may contain descriptions of violence. It is not intended for children. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you for joining me for today's episode of Once Upon a Crime. It's human nature to be curious about people whose lifestyles we can only dream about. Celebrities, the very wealthy, and those with exceptional talent or intellect. One population whose lives seem unfathomable to us are people born or married into royal families. People with titles like king and queen, prince and princess, duke and duchess, and the like, seem set apart from commoners like the rest of us. For many of us, especially those who live in a country not ruled by a sovereign, our only exposure to royalty was the fairy tales we read as children. For this reason, we may perceive those with royal titles to have a magical or mysterious allure. But royals, like anyone else, are not immune to crime, scandals, and skeletons in the family closet. When secrets are exposed within a royal family, we follow these stories with fascination to get a peek behind the veil of the aristocracy. In this month's series, we'll take a look at the dark side of royalty. Fairy tales these are not. In the next three episodes, I will detail crimes, sex scandals, and even murders that have occurred within royal families. First up, a member of the British royal family, Prince Andrew, the Duke of York's reputation, is muddied when his close personal friend, Jeffrey Epstein, is exposed as a sex trafficker of underage girls. Prince Andrew will fall even further into disgrace when one of Epstein's victims accuses him of sexual assault while she was still a minor. This is Chapter 1 of Royal Murders, Scandals, and Secrets, Prince Andrew, Duke of York. Prince Andrew Albert Christian Edward's birth was a joyous celebration. He was the third child and second son of Queen Elizabeth II and Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh. He joined his older brother, Prince Charles, the heir apparent, and a sister, Princess Anne. The youngest member of the royal family, Edward, would be born four years later. It was a momentous occasion when Prince Andrew was born on February 19, 1960, at Buckingham Palace in London. He was the first child born to a reigning British monarch in a century. Queen Elizabeth ascended to the throne of the United Kingdom just eight years earlier. Unlike his older siblings, who were 10 and 12 years old when he was born, Prince Andrew was reported to have received more attention and affection from the Queen during his childhood. 
the queen was described as more doting towards Andrew than his brother or sister. Some close observers even called the golden-haired boy her favorite. By the time Andrew was a toddler, the queen had been on the throne for a decade. She'd settled into the role and may have had more time to dedicate to her role as a mother than she previously had. The beginning of her reign was a tumultuous time for the young queen. Elizabeth was the first child of the Duke and Duchess of York. Her father never expected to be king, but he was forced into the role when his brother, King Edward VIII, abdicated the throne to marry an American divorcee, Wallace Simpson, just a year after he was crowned. The new king was seated in 1936, becoming King George VI. He died in 1952, and Elizabeth, at age 25, became queen. Her firstborn, Charles, was next in the line of succession. Andrew, as the second son, was considered the spare. Like his brother, Andrew had all the privileges and perks of being a prince, but with none of the pressures or responsibilities to conduct himself as a future king. This was the role Andrew took to naturally. He was described as charming, mischievous, and always up for a good time. During his youth, he was known as a practical joker, engaging in playful antics, such as putting soap in the Buckingham Palace pool, so it was transformed into a gigantic bubble bath and tying unsuspecting palace visitors' shoelaces together. In September 1973, at 13, Prince Andrew was enrolled in Gordonston, a prestigious boarding school in northern Scotland. His father, Prince Philip, and older brother, Prince Charles, were alumni of Gordonston. Prince Andrew pursued his studies seriously, earning A-levels in English, history, and economics. Additionally, he obtained a pilot's license, showcasing his early interest in aviation. Andrew embarked on a military career following his education. In November 1978, the royal family announced his intention to join the Royal Navy. After completing rigorous sporting tests and examinations, the prince specialized as a naval officer focusing on piloting. He graduated at the top of his class and was awarded his wings by his father, Prince Philip. In April 1982, Andrew's military service took on heightened significance when Argentina invaded the Falkland Islands, initiating the Falklands War. During the conflict, Andrew served as a Sea King helicopter co-pilot aboard the HMS Invincible, playing a crucial role in the Royal Navy Task Force deployed to reclaim the islands. In recognition of his service, he was promoted to lieutenant in 1984. Additionally, Queen Elizabeth appointed him as a personal aide-de-camp. The Queen's relationship with her second son was marked by mutual respect and affection. She would remain his most ardent supporter throughout his life. This was a support he would need to rely on in the future. While Prince Andrew excelled in his professional life, his personal life was marred by scandals, problematic associations, and poor choices that would leave a black mark on his reputation and the royal family. Prince Andrew was given a hero's welcome when he returned home after the two-month-long Falklands War. The 22-year-old prince was, according to his brother Charles, always considered the handsome one. Now a decorated military man, he was viewed as a heartthrob and a catch by many young women who waved flags and handed roses to the young prince, hoping to catch his eye. According to his friends and acquaintances, Andrew always had an eye for pretty girls. He was linked to many beautiful women in his early 20s, including models and actresses. Andrew was affectionately nicknamed Randy Andy, a moniker the press often employed. But in February 1981, 
Andrew's romantic journey took a notable turn when he met Koo Stark, an American actress, at his 21st birthday party. Facilitated by a mutual friend, their introduction sparked a whirlwind romance that saw Stark frequently gracing Buckingham Palace and joining the royal family at Balmoral Castle, the Queen's royal residence in Scotland. Prince Andrew and Stark were said to be a perfect match. She was sexy, glamorous, and fun, which made her Andrew's type, but she was also intelligent and adventurous. It was reported that the Queen was fond of her son's girlfriend, his first true love. However, the relationship was under constant surveillance by the media throughout its 18-month duration. The union faced severe scrutiny due to Stark's past cinematic appearances, which included controversial scenes that drew public attention and criticism. Stark's involvement in sexually explicit scenes, including nudity, led to negative backlash, ultimately contributing to the couple's split in 1983. Andrew found love for the second time when he was unknowingly set up by his sister-in-law, Princess Diana Spencer. Sarah Ferguson, a descendant of British royals, was an acquaintance of Prince Andrew since they were children. Her father, Major Ronald Ferguson, served as a polo manager for the Duke of Edinburgh and later to Prince Charles. Sarah, nicknamed Fergie, was a vivacious redhead with a quick smile and an energetic nature. She was always the life of the party and loved to laugh. She and Diana Spencer were fourth cousins and formed a deep bond as young adults. After Diana married Prince Charles and struggled through her first years as a royal family member, she often turned to her good friend Fergie for support. Diana thought her friend and Prince Andrew would make a good match. They were both athletic and fun-loving. Fergie, like Diana, wasn't raised in palaces or hobnobbing among the elite. They'd both had relatively normal upbringings, had worked jobs, and lived in the real world. Diana thought Fergie would be a grounding influence for Andrew, and Sarah's spunk and wit would appeal to him. She was right. She finagled an invitation for Fergie to sit next to Andrew at a luncheon, and by the time the place settings were cleared, the two were smitten with one another. The media loved covering the prince and Sarah Ferguson's courtship. Sarah also seemed at ease with them, often joking casually with reporters, while she and the prince teased one another playfully. In March of 1986, with the Queen's blessing, Andrew announced his engagement to Sarah Ferguson. She showed off an engagement ring designed by the prince himself, a Burmese ruby surrounded by ten diamonds. He chose a ruby to complement his fiancée's red hair. In July 1986, the couple exchanged vows at Westminster Abbey. Upon marriage, Andrew was bestowed with the titles of Duke of York, Earl of Inverness, and Baron Killily by the Queen. Fergie was now given the title of Duchess of York. The couple appeared happy in their early years, and they had two daughters, Princess Beatrice, born in 1988, and Princess Eugenie, born in 1990. However, Andrew's frequent travels with the military took him away from home for extended periods. His wife became discontent, and it led to fractures in the relationship. Financial problems led to even more stress in the marriage. It was later revealed that the Duchess of York was engaging in extramarital relationships. In 1992, they announced a separation. Sarah was infamously photographed that summer sunbathing while having her toes sucked by John Bryan, a man she was often seen in the company of. She told her estranged husband that Bryan was her financial advisor. The marriage ended after the tabloid media printed and distributed the photo in newspapers worldwide. Despite their divorce in May 1996, Andrew and Sarah maintained an amicable relationship. 
they continue to reside together at Sunning Hill Park, a picturesque country home near Windsor Castle, where they raised their two daughters. Their post-divorce arrangement was unconventional, yet it symbolized a commitment to co-parenting and family unity. In 2004, the family transitioned to the Royal Lodge, a sprawling 30-room mansion in Windsor, formerly inhabited by the Queen Mother, until her passing in 2002 at the remarkable age of 101. While Prince Andrew's marriage was unraveling, his career continued to flourish. He was posted as senior pilot of 815 Naval Air Squadron in 1995 and promoted to commander in 1999. He ended his active naval career at the Ministry of Defense in 2001 as an officer of the Diplomatic Directorate of the Naval Staff. He retired the same year and was made an honorary captain three years later. By age 50, he would be promoted to Rear Admiral and then Vice Admiral five years later. As a member of the royal family, he patronized several charitable organizations. He was an avid golfer and horseman and continued living a full and privileged life as the Duke of York. But it would all come crashing down because of his close association with multimillionaire hedge fund manager Jeffrey Epstein. In 1974, Jeffrey Epstein found a way to leverage his position as a math teacher into a career in high finance, ultimately amassing a fortune of over $500 million. Epstein was hired to teach mathematics at the Dalton School, a private college preparatory academy in Manhattan's Upper East Side. Creative, charming, and intelligent, the college dropout finessed his way into the job without the requisite credentials and became a favorite among Dalton students. Ellen Greenberg's children were students at the Dalton School. Greenberg was the chief executive officer of Bear Stearns, the securities trading firm and investment bank. Epstein became acquainted with Greenberg, and when he was let go from Dalton due to poor performance, the CEO offered him a job at Bear Stearns. Epstein started as a low-level junior assistant to a floor trader in 1976, but moved up quickly to become an options trader and an advisor to the company's wealthiest clients. In four years, Epstein became a limited partner. In 1981, he founded a consulting firm. He landed high-profile clients by specializing in recovering stolen money from fraudulent brokers and lawyers. In 1988, he founded a financial management firm, J. Epstein & Company. One of his clients was billionaire chairman and CEO of The Limited and Victoria's Secret, Leslie Wexner. Epstein became Wexner's financial advisor and right-hand man. In 1991, Wexner granted Epstein full power of attorney over his affairs. Epstein, in essence, had access to a fortune of over a billion dollars and a blank check. He took full advantage of these resources. He had an unlimited amount of money to spend, and he spent it freely. He purchased properties in Paris, Miami, and New Mexico, and owned the largest private residence in Manhattan. He also purchased the entire island of Little St. James in the U.S. Virgin Islands, as a private getaway. He jetted around the world, rubbing shoulders with the rich, famous, and influential, including Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, and Prince Andrew. Prince Andrew was introduced to Epstein by Epstein's former girlfriend, Jelaine Maxwell. Andrew had been acquainted with Jelaine since she was an undergraduate at Oxford. The prince and the financier began socializing together frequently. Their friendship came with reciprocal perks. One journalist said, quote, Epstein had the cash, and Prince Andrew had the cachet. 
Epstein cultivated friendships with high-profile celebrities, presidents, supermodels, and sports figures. He loved being seen and photographed at parties with his famous friends. Befriending Prince Andrew, a high-ranking member of the British royal family, lent Epstein the credibility and class he craved. Epstein had been born and raised in a working-class neighborhood of Brooklyn. His father worked as a groundskeeper, and his mother was a school aide. He'd attended public schools and dropped out of college. He didn't have the perks and privileges Andrew was born into. But he now possessed what Andrew did not, wealth. As the second-born and spare heir, Andrew received an allowance salary from the crown of approximately £250,000 annually, which is nothing to sneeze at. But in contrast, Prince Charles was granted £20 million a year as heir to the throne. Andrew enjoyed living an extravagant lifestyle, including golfing at exclusive resorts, playing polo, and traveling worldwide on private jets. He and his wife, Sarah Ferguson, had been criticized for costing the government and its taxpayers exorbitant amounts for unnecessary expenditures. Because of the amount he spent on trips, his nickname in the press changed from Randy Andy to Air Miles Andy. He and Fergie went into debt when the government capped some of these expenses, and they were made to cover the difference. Still, Andrew continued to feel entitled to the lifestyle to which he'd grown accustomed. Beginning in 2001, he worked as a special representative for the UK International Trade and Investment. He did not receive a salary for the position, but went on expenses paid delegations, and the government paid the tab for his travel. In 2010, the prince reportedly spent £620,000 as a trade envoy, including £154,000 on hotels, food and hospitality, and £465,000 on travel costs. Epstein had money, private jets, and party pads all over the world to which he could invite his royal friend. In return, he was included in the guest list of exclusive events, like a birthday party hosted by the Queen at Windsor Castle. He and Jelaine Maxwell were invited to the royal residence at Balmoral for a family gathering. In 2000, Prince Andrew hosted Maxwell's 39th birthday party at Sandringham House, another royal residence. Epstein was also in attendance. But the party ended when, in 2005, authorities in Palm Beach, Florida, began investigating Jeffrey Epstein after a parent reported he had sexually abused her 14-year-old daughter. Epstein always had an inappropriate fixation with very young girls, according to some of his students at the Dalton School. The math teacher, quote, paid constant attention to his underage female students. He was witness flirting with these underage girls and even showed up at a party where some of his young students were drinking. Some of his former female students described Epstein as creepy. The 2005 investigation revealed that the 14-year-old was taken to Epstein's Florida mansion by an older girl. The minor was paid $300 to strip and massage Epstein, according to court records. Palm Beach police spent months investigating Epstein, with the FBI being called in to assist. A search of his home uncovered evidence that Epstein had paid girls between the ages of 14 and 18, with most under 16, for sexual acts. They concluded that 34 confirmed minors had been victimized by Epstein. In 2008, he pled guilty and was convicted of two crimes, procuring a child for prostitution and solicitation of prostitution. He served almost 13 months in custody, but was granted extensive work release. Epstein's conviction as a sex offender was widely reported. So it was shocking when, in 2010, after his release from custody, Prince Andrew was photographed walking with Epstein in Central Park, 
near Epstein's Manhattan residence. There was a public outcry against the prince, with some calling for him to step down from his role as trade envoy for associating with a convicted sexual predator. When the Evening Standard reported even more connections between Prince Andrew and Epstein in 2011, it was akin to throwing gasoline on a fire. Andrew was reported to have previously spent time with Epstein at his homes in Florida and Manhattan. In addition, it was revealed that Andrew's ex-wife, Sarah Ferguson, had received a loan from Epstein for more than $20,000 and that Prince Andrew's office had managed the payment. In an interview, Fergie said that taking the money from Epstein was one of the worst mistakes of her life. She said, quote, I am just so contrite I cannot say. Whenever I can, I will repay the money and will have nothing to do with Jeffrey Epstein ever again, end quote. Under public pressure, Prince Andrew stepped down as trade envoy in July 2011 and stated he had cut all ties with Epstein. Andrew's association with Jeffrey Epstein would continue to dog him as more information came to light. In 2014, a Florida court filing alleged that Epstein had trafficked a minor for sex, whom he offered to several prominent figures. The people named in the suit included famed lawyer Alan Dershowitz, an unnamed former prime minister, and Prince Andrew, Duke of York. The following month, as a result of this sensational allegation, Buckingham Palace issued a statement categorically denying Prince Andrew had ever engaged in impropriety with underage girls. The young woman who filed the lawsuit alleged in a sworn statement that Epstein and Jelaine Maxwell had sexually exploited her between 1999 and 2002. The woman, Virginia Dufresne, formerly Virginia Roberts, said she was abused physically and sexually by Epstein, Maxwell, Ellen Dershowitz, and Prince Andrew, among others. She also had been forced to recruit other underage girls, the lawsuit alleged. She reported encounters with Prince Andrew in London, New York, and on Epstein's private island in the Caribbean. Dufresne alleged that Epstein paid her $15,000 to have sex with the prince in London. She said she was pressured into it by Epstein and Maxwell, and she didn't dare object. If she refused, she believed Epstein, through his contacts, would have her killed or abducted. Dufresne provided a photo as evidence. She is seen standing with the prince, his arm around her waist. Jelaine Maxwell also appears in the background of the photo. In the summer of 2019, Jeffrey Epstein was arrested again, this time on federal charges of sex trafficking minors in both Florida and New York. He had been hit with a half dozen more civil lawsuits by various women, all of whom reported being sexually exploited or abused by Epstein and Maxwell. Epstein was arrested by the FBI NYPD Crimes Against Children Task Force on sex trafficking charges. A search of his Manhattan townhouse turned up evidence of sex trafficking and thousands of sexually suggestive photos of nude or partially nude young women and girls. Epstein asked to be released on bond, offering to post $100 million with the condition that he be allowed to serve house arrest in his Manhattan home. The judge denied bail on July 18th. On August 10th, he was found dead in his jail cell. The medical examiner ruled Epstein's death was the result of suicide by hanging. Soon after his death, a debate began with some believing Epstein's death was a murder made to look like a suicide. It was theorized that Epstein was killed to silence him from coming forward to expose more high-profile clients who'd engaged in sex with underage girls. Epstein's death resulted in new allegations against Prince Andrew. Several more of Epstein's victims filed civil suits against his estate. 
In one filing, another young woman accused Andrew of grabbing her breast while posing for a photo. Another of Epstein's accusers stated in her lawsuit that she'd witnessed Prince Andrew at Epstein's New York mansion in December of 2010. Epstein's private pilot stated under oath that he'd flown the prince in Epstein's private plane more than once. Juan Alessi, who worked at Epstein's Palm Beach home, stated that Prince Andrew spent, quote, weeks with us and had daily erotic massages provided by young girls in his rooms. The royal family continued to support Andrew and denied the allegations. But as pressure mounted for the prince to explain his association with Epstein, Andrew decided to give a no-holds-barred interview with BBC's Newsnight, scheduled for November 2019. The Queen gave her approval for Andrew to sit for the televised interview. The prince would go on record to recount his friendship with Jeffrey Epstein for the first time. The interview was highly anticipated by the public and watched by millions. Rather than clearing his name, the interview backfired severely on the prince. He came across as glib, out of touch with public sentiment regarding Epstein's crimes, and somewhat arrogant, giving statements that seemed unbelievable and even preposterous. Andrew said he couldn't recall many details, including when he'd first become acquainted with Epstein. But when asked about Jufri's allegations that he'd had sex with her on March 10, 2001, he denied it. He stated that he couldn't have been with Jufri because he was home with his daughters after attending a pizza party with Beatrice in Woking. Andrew even recited the name of the restaurant they'd visited 18 years earlier. His accuser claimed that she danced with the prince at a club and thought he was gross because he perspired excessively. Andrew said he could prove this false. He explained that at the time, he temporarily lost the ability to sweat due to an adrenaline overdose during the Falklands War. Later, physicians consulted about this condition stated that an adrenaline overdose typically causes excessive sweating in humans, not the opposite. As for his longtime association with Jeffrey Epstein, Andrew confirmed that he'd stayed at Epstein's townhouse in Manhattan after his release from prison on the first sex trafficking charges. The prince had no choice but to address this after a video was released to the public that showed Andrew waving goodbye to a young woman from the front door of Epstein's townhouse in 2010. He told the interviewer that, yes, he'd spent three days in the home of the convicted sex offender because, quote, it was a convenient place to stay. As for his meeting with Epstein in Central Park, he claimed that was a meeting to break off any future relationship with him. In a final tone-deaf statement, Andrew said he did not regret his friendship with Epstein because, quote, the people that I met and the opportunities I was given to learn either by him or because of him were actually very useful, end quote. The interview was described by members of the media and the public as a car crash, end quote, the worst public relations crisis for the royal family since the death of Princess Diana. Soon after the interview aired, a statement was released from Buckingham Palace announcing that Andrew was suspending his public duties for the foreseeable future. On November 24, 2019, the palace announced that the prince would step down from his 230 patronages. In April 2020, all activities carried out by the Prince Andrew Charitable Trust were halted. The following month, it was announced Andrew would permanently resign from all public roles. It was revealed in June 2020 that Prince Andrew was considered a person of interest in a U.S. criminal investigation. United States investigators had filed a request to British authorities to interview Andrew. The prince canceled a planned trip to Spain, fearing that he might be arrested 
and extradited to the U.S. In February 2022, Prince Andrew settled the sexual assault case brought against him by Virginia Dufresne out of court for an undisclosed amount. His attorneys released the following statement, quote, Prince Andrew intends to make a substantial donation to Ms. Dufresne's charity in support of victims' rights. Prince Andrew has never intended to malign Ms. Dufresne's character, and he accepts that she has suffered both as an established victim of abuse and as a result of unfair public attacks, end quote. The Telegraph later reported that the settlement agreed upon was over $16 million. It was said that it was paid for, in part, by the Queen. As Andrew's life unraveled, the Queen, in failing health at the age of 96, could no longer defend her favorite son. His social media accounts were deleted, and his page on the royal family's website was rewritten in the past tense. He stopped using the style of His Royal Highness, although he retained his title as Duke of York. It was further announced that, quote, with the Queen's approval and agreement, the Duke of York's military affiliations and royal patronages had been returned to the Queen, end quote. In response to the judge's rejection of the lawsuit against him, the palace issued the following statement, quote, the Duke of York will continue not to undertake any public duties and is defending this case as a private citizen, end quote. In March, Andrew made a rare public appearance, accompanying his mother, the Queen, into Westminster Abbey to attend a memorial service for his father, the Duke of Edinburgh, who had died the previous April at the age of 99. Andrew's brother Charles and nephew William decided the Duke should be banned from appearing anywhere he would be witnessed by the public. When the Queen died on September 8, 2022, Andrew appeared in public walking behind his mother's coffin during the funeral procession in civilian clothes. He was in military uniform for the private 15-minute vigil by her coffin at Westminster Hall on September 16th. After Charles took the throne as Charles III, it was reported that the Duke of York no longer had use of his suite of rooms at Buckingham Palace and would no longer receive taxpayer funding. Court documents relating to the Epstein case were unsealed on January 3, 2024. Several names appear in the filing, including Andrews. But the Metropolitan Police, charged with investigating allegations against him, issued a statement saying there were no further plans to look into the situation. Quote, As with any matter, should new and relevant information be brought to our attention, we will assess it. End quote. In December 2021, Jelaine Maxwell was found guilty of five sex trafficking-related charges and sentenced to 20 years in prison beginning in June 2022. Prince Andrew, Duke of York, hasn't been formally charged with any crime. The case never went to court after he chose to pay a settlement to his accuser. Many saw this as an implied admission of guilt but the official explanation by the Crown is that the case was settled to avoid further harm to the reputation of the Duke or the royal family. They did not deny Ms. Dufresne's claims of sexual exploitation and abuse, but denied that Andrew was complicit in those crimes. But what can we make of his decision to continue his friendship with Jeffrey Epstein after the financier was convicted of sex offenses with underage girls? It's one thing to be a supportive friend, by sharing your hope that they take responsibility for their actions and do better in the future. However, 
It's another to socialize with them while they still engage in the same criminal behavior. Andrew met with Epstein and stayed in his home, where young women continued to be seen coming and going. He was videotaped and photographed in these compromising positions after Epstein was convicted and spent time in prison. Some journalists and commentators have accused Prince Andrew of being naive, perhaps due to his sheltered life as a royal. Or was it arrogance that caused Andrew to be so reckless? Did growing up with power and privilege lead him to believe that societal laws and norms did not apply to him? Even so, it's been well established that those of royal birth are held to a higher standard of decency and decorum than the average citizen. When they stray from this expectation, whether it's engaging in an affair or even filing for divorce, public and media scrutiny is swift and severe. Why, then, did Randy Andy take such risks? He had a layer of protection while his mother, who doted on him, was still alive. One he no longer enjoys, now that King Charles III is the sovereign. His brother has determined he is a liability to the crown and should remain in the background. The once charismatic popular prince, with a decorated military career, may be destined to end his life in disgrace, hidden from the public, without a role or purpose in the royal family. And still, King Charles is called to handle the problem of his younger brother. A recent rumor is that Charles may evict Andrew from his current residence in the Royal Lodge and move him to Frogmore Cottage, the former digs occupied by Harry and Meghan. That should tell you something. Andrew's around-the-clock security team has also been taken away from him, and he is now responsible for paying for his own security. Journalist Martha Gill cheekily suggests in The Guardian that, in the past, an Andrew problem would have been dispatched with due haste. There are countless examples of how these problems were handled in British royal history. She writes, Richard III put his nephews in prison where they were murdered. Henry VII bumped off more than one cousin. Elizabeth I had her cousin, Mary Queen of Scots, executed. Edward IV killed his little brother. Of course, she jests. Thank goodness that in modern times, such barbaric measures are no longer an option. That will do it for this episode of Once Upon a Crime. Don't forget to mark our upcoming meetup with the Generation Y podcast on your calendar. Hang out with us on Thursday, February 22nd in San Jose, California. No tickets are required. Get all the details at truecrimepodcast.com or on our Facebook page. You have until February 26th to enter the drawing to win a night out in San Francisco with me. We'll enjoy cocktails and a show at the amazing Edgar Allan Poe Speakeasy. To have a chance to win, register for an annual Patreon membership at the $5 level or above. Go to patreon.com slash onceuponacrime to find out more and enter. Good luck! Once Upon a Crime is written and produced by me, Esther Sanchez Ludlow. My administrative and production assistant is Lorena Garcia. Until next time, be good to one another. <laughs>